You are listening to 102.3 WHIVLP New Orleans. Um, so WHIV is a community radio station dedicated to human rights and social justice issues, and we are driven by volunteers. WHIV stands for We Honor Independent Voices, and we seek to provide a platform for people to discuss issues affecting our diverse community. We are committed to giving a voice to underrepresented populations in New Orleans to foster a culture of social, economic, environmental, and racial justice. We could not do it without your help. Throughout the months of September and October, we are asking you, our dedicated listeners and community partners, to become members of the station via recurring monthly donation. No donation is too little or too small, but a suggested monthly donation is $10, the cost of a drink at your neighborhood bar. Become a member today and help us reach our goal of 200 new members to the WHIV family. Go to whivfm.org support for more information on how to become a member. Also, on October 5th, WHIV will be hosting a party to celebrate the midpoint of our membership drive. All are welcome to join us at 2762 Orleans Avenue between 1 and 6 p.m. to enjoy food, drinks, music, and meet our DJs and show hosts. Thank you for supporting New Orleans' only voice of dissent, WHIV. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station. Did you know that WHIV is a a volunteer-driven community radio station? We're able to honor independent voices with your support. Stand for human rights and social justice by becoming a member of WHIV today. Monthly memberships are flexible. That could be $1, $5, $10, $20 a month, whatever works for you. Or you could represent WHIV with a t-shirt, tank top, fanny pack, and more found at our online store. Go to whivfm.org and click support or store. Again, that's whivfm.org. Thank you for helping us honor independent voices and all wars. So uh, today in the studio, uh, first off, um, my name is Jeff Barawa, uh, normally host of Good Morning Comrade. But today we have, uh, today I'm in for Mark Allen for uh, NOLA Matters, Healthcare is a Human Right. And in the studio today we have candidate for uh, state treasurer. Uh, her name is Teresa Kenny. How are you today, Teresa? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, um... I just wanted to have you in the studio to talk a little bit about what your campaign's about, what's going on in this race so far, what are you seeing? So um, I guess you can like, start by introducing yourself and give us a little background on, on uh, who are you and why you're running for treasurer. Mm-hmm. Who and why? All right. First of all, I'm really happy to be down here at WHIV. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to it for you know a couple of years now, and it's my first opportunity to come down to the station, so appreciate it. Welcome. Um, but yeah, my name is Teresa. Um, I currently, I live in Metairie, um, and I have a bookkeeping business, a bookkeeping and accounting business in New Orleans, where I primarily work with other entrepreneurs and nonprofits, um, to help them with their finances. So really what happened is I was looking at a way to get involved politically. It's something I'm very passionate about. You know, I think that I, you know, could have a a voice and impact. So I started looking at the uh, treasurer's race and who was running, and I kind of just assumed that you needed to have a financial background to be treasurer of the state. <laughs> it's a political office, isn't it? But it turns out that you don't have to have a financial background. And really, um, it's really open to anyone who mm-hmm. thinks that they're qualified for the position. So when I started looking at the backgrounds of the other folks who are running, I realized that I was as qualified as them. So I decided to step in mm-hmm. and get my voice out there um, and start the the road mm-hmm. to po- uh, politics. You know, that's really interesting because I think about this all the time. The idea that people in, in our society are that are like 
in these positions or run for these positions as a regular thing, there's this sort of front-end assumption that they're qualified for these sorts of things. And I've always sort of, anytime I've put any investigation into the matter, I found out that that's not necessarily the case. Right. So the qualification is, you know, of being a politician would be able to have people support you yeah. and, you know, qualify for election yeah. is all it so, takes to run. You get so many signatures or you pay a fee, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, really, um, Royce DuPlessis was the one who told me that really it's the voters who decide mm-hmm. if you're qualified or not. So then really it's up to you to take your case to the voters and then tell the voters why you're the best choice. Right. So now I'm here. Great. And you, you yeah. So, uh, and, and a lot of that is sort of organizing volunteers, bringing in money and all the other stuff as well. Yeah. So how's it, um, so what are your, what are your, um, major sort of issues that you hope to tackle? Um, so you, for uh, the upcoming election, what are you, what are you running on? I suppose. Right. So, um, for the most part, um, what I understood about the role is that it's it's more political than I think it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding of a treasurer role, since I am a treasurer for different organization, I've been a treasurer for other organizations in the past. Is that you're supposed to be an objective you know, money. Keep the books. Yeah. So you're supposed to be able to be objective, to look at all the different voices in the room and then say, here's where we're at. And here's what you have to decide on. Um, I didn't really see that happening. Mm -hmm. I saw, you know, political browbeating and, you know, facts that weren't really the whole story. So, um, I wanted to be able to speak about that kind of stuff. And and I decided to run as no party Mm -hmm. to make that point against the other, you know, Yes. to those two candidates that this is Republican isn't... and the Democrat. And um, so, um, I'm sorry, continue what you're saying, um, but I, I do have to, uh, before I forget, uh, I, have to, I do have to say that um, this is an open forum for all candidates to mm-hmm. um, potentially come on the radio show. So if mm-hmm. you are interested in being on uh, WHIV to talk about your candidacy in this race, please do reach out. Um, so I'm, I beg your pardon. So please continue. You're talking about the um, the to other people in the race. Yeah, well, really, I decided to run as no party because I wanted to make a statement about this particular role. It's a really great role to be neutral, you mm-hmm. know, because especially because um, politics are so divisive these days. Mm-hmm. You know, the second you say D or, or R, people really start to think a lot of different things about you. So I wanted the opportunity to introduce myself to voters um, as a neutral um, party and mm-hmm. to be able to really see all the different powerful forces in this state and be able to understand, hear all the different opinions and then come up with a plan to have everyone heard equally mm-hmm. um, at the financial table for the so, so represent pretty much everybody, not to have a political trajectory necessarily for the office, uh, though that seems to be the case. It's almost like a like a party position in a lot of senses too. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, and then the other thing is, you know, a lot of the the statewide elected races, um, they don't have term limits, so we, you end up with people oh, who yeah. are in there for you know, obviously governor does, but you mm-hmm. know, we had the last treasurer was in there for sixteen years. I can't say that that has been, you know, great. You know, we had, you know, other people who've been in their roles, like Mike Strain has been in that for, I want to say, 16 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes not very equal, mm-hmm. you know, um, because the barrier to running a statewide race is really high. You have to be able to reach the whole state, which requires a lot of money. So it's just, it's just not ideal. Right. You know, I really think that, you know, the treasurer should be able to, listen to everyone and to reach all parts of the state. Um, but what I've heard from other organizations, too, is I've been connecting with people, learning from different nonprofits and nonpartisan learning agencies. Is mm-hmm. 
you know, that's just not really happening. And um, certain people are getting sidelined. Like, you know, an example would be John Kennedy decided that he wasn't going to allow New Orleans to to submit bond proposals right. for the last three years. So that affected our, our housing crisis. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things like that that I started to see happening when I started to look closer. Um, and so while I say that I'm no party and I'm for listening to all voices equally. I think that's already a departure from what's been happening the last 20 plus years in the Treasury. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that I think would be a really positive, a positive a direction. So um, I, one of the things that I find uh, endlessly fascinating also about uh, when people do run for um, office and uh, they, they actually get to see the system for how it works on the inside mm-hmm. one and then also i find that they're almost like viewed a little bit differently just because of by the virtue of being in these running running for uh, um, office positions uh, have you seen any of that like if you say i'm running for treasurer do people like sort of change how they're talking to you or or anything like that so there's people who already know me uh-huh. um and they were all excited, but people who don't know me already, they definitely have a different impression and expect different things um, mm-hmm. from me. Is right? That what you mean? Or yeah, almost like they have different expectations. It's almost like they're. It's almost like there's almost like an assignation of authority based on the fact that you're running for office. Pretty much, yeah. Uh. Especially with uh, an office that's as authoritative as this one. Mm-hmm. Hi, welcome into the show, Aaron. Aaron, uh, say hello to Teresa. Hi. Teresa Kenny is Hi. running for the uh, state treasurer's office uh, in Louisiana. Uh, and where can we find information about uh, your campaign? Right. So that's uh, it's TeresaForTreasurer.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Teresa Kenny for State Treasurer. I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Um, but primarily the website would be the best place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can sign up for email updates if you're interested. Great. Thanks for coming on. And I'm so sorry I'm late. It- Traffic today was. Oh my gosh, it was it was ridiculous. It took me an, almost an hour to get here from Metairie. With the, the studios on Orleans by Broad in mid in Mid City, um, really Broad area, but um, it took it took me almost an hour to get here. It was wild. How has that been for you, kind of trying to go since it's a kind of a statewide office, trying mm-hmm. to get to the entire state, and I'm assuming generally limited budget, and also. Probably limited time. Are you are you campaigning full time? So I declared my candidacy on the last day that mm-hmm. you can do that, which really means that it's a it's a very quick campaign that I'm running. So I decided to target just a few cities um, that were more local. So New Orleans, Houma, Lafayette, Baton Rouge are ones I'm really trying to get my outreach to. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to a couple of different events, and I can definitely see you know how this can be a, a two year process. So. I'm also fortunate enough that I own my own business, so I have been able to take a step back and awesome. spend more time out there talking to voters and, you know, doing all the the back the back end administrative work. Um, so that's been a blessing, you know, and I know that not everyone can can do that. So I know that mm-hmm. that's a privilege. So that that's another reason I decided to run. I realize that, that it's it's a lot harder to take that time away. Um, and, you know, who knows what will happen in the future, you know. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, to get out there and make a statement this time. Cool. Um, so did you have a question, Erin? Yeah, I was just curious. So kind of being out and about, do you have any favorite campaign stories so far? Like interesting people you've met or just 
cool things that you've seen along the way? So I think that I, I mentioned this, but I'm, I'm running uh, with no party. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's given me the ability to hear people's opinions without shutting down on either side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've been able to talk to, you know, correctional facility officers mm-hmm. and, you know, SWAT team members and you know, <laughs> political um like government officials and, and things like that who, who may not have been open with me if mm. you know i had said that i was a democrat for example they would sure. have not yeah. shared with me their stories so um and then you know the that end of the day i think the most wonderful the the coolest thing that i've realized is that all of us want louisiana to be better um everyone i've spoken to has mentioned problems with infrastructure or education or mm-hmm. hospitals it's just we use different words a lot mm-hmm. um and you know a lot of us have just learned things, you know, and those are our talking points now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you can go out there and be neutral, you can start to hear kind of the commonalities mm-hmm. of, of what people are saying, you know. So even like Jeff Landry, for example, who's our uh, attorney general, I, I had the privilege to see him speak. Um, and, you know, even he said that, you know, in order to be competitive with Texas, for example, we need to have better infrastructure, better education, mm-hmm. and better, um, you know, health care. So that's not something he really mm-hmm. goes out there and says. He says he wants to protect Second Amendment rights and, you know, <laughs> stop bad people from hurting your family. But Drugs. He's really huge on cracking down on drugs and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, even potentially someone like that could be, you know, in faith. I mean, I can't imagine somebody actually being against, like, have you know bridges you know yeah. <laughs> or or roads not having giant potholes in them but it's just uh how you, you sort of engage with people on those issues and whether you can actually deliver on on sort of what on, on those positions that you take on it yeah so i want to be out there to hear people say these things mm-hmm. and then be able to come back later and say hey do you remember when you said that education was important now we have the opportunity to Mm -hmm. do something about it with things like our budget Mm -hmm. um, or things like what we're going to do with any surplus funds that we have. Mm -hmm. So when you start hearing people sharing those common things and you can use their language that they used to work with them, I think that that's going to be a positive uh, positive thing for the state. And that's something that I'm going to continue and something I've been doing. Um, But I want to... I would love to help break down those those types of barriers and um, get us all kind of to agree to some things mm-hmm. that are important. So uh, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. Uh, the show is uh, healthcare, uh, NOLA Matters, Healthcare is a Human Right. In for Mark Allen Derry, we have Jeff and Aaron. Our guest today is Teresa Kenny, uh, who is running for state treasurer of Louisiana. Uh, she's running on a no-party ticket, and she says she's running uh, as a non-political, or not 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 political, but sort of like a neutral non-party candidate. Um, so I guess talk a little bit. Uh, I imagine you've done some some research on the budget just as, as someone who's running for uh, the treasurer of Louisiana. Could you just talk a little bit about where some of these things are going and and, and what's going on with the budget? Yeah, so um, we're required to have a balanced budget. Which is good. Does it ever um, happen? Well, last year it was re- it was interesting because it it uh, came down to some internal politics, um, and then we oh yes, he, I remember he, this. John Bell Edwards released a budget and said this isn't exactly a budget, but I'm required to release it, 
and it's on you guys. And I right. thought that, that was really interesting. So it's always it was a, a very big leveraging point that he used that for because there was essentially if there is no deal then and it was a very austere budget mm-hmm. but it, it was sort of required on on by the virtue of the role of governor because there is essentially he can't spend money that he doesn't have and there's no way that the legislature wanted to bring in money correct mm-hmm. i did not mean to cut you off but i, I just oh, no, sort of like so summer, summing up what you were saying yeah, and for those of listeners who might not be aware that is a constitutional requirement for the constitution of louisiana is that correct the balanced budget yeah and there was a big shortfall so anyway continue i'm sorry yeah i mean ultimately it's down to the legislators Mm -hmm. to decide what we spend money on and you know but it is about political power and then you have the speaker of the house are you know fighting with Mm -hmm. the governor and all that and you know the treasure it really is divided between republican and democrat so Mm -hmm. it's hard to get um people to work together i always feel like Whenever I'm trying to talk to someone, if we have kind of differing political views or differing views on things, I always try and come at it the idea that, okay, do we want the same thing at the end? Okay, Mm -hmm. do we want to end poverty? Do we want a better education system? Do we want our roads to be fixed? Okay, so if we have those same end goals, we might disagree about how we get there, but that's a conversation we can have. Like, you know, one person might believe that taxing is the best way. Another person might believe that cutting another program, you know, there's other ideas but it's always i think it's important to to think about okay are we at the same end end goal Mm -hmm. and is that something you've been kind of when just being out and about do people seem to have the same i know you were saying that you know people who maybe don't don't seem like they would or don't talk about it are very Mm. pro-education they'll they'll agree to things in the abstract but not necessarily specific i guess is that yeah i'm just wondering if there's been things that you feel like maybe you've gotten pushback on that you weren't expecting or are there things that we actually have a lot more in common kind of across the, excuse me, the political spectrum Mm -hmm. that you weren't anticipating? Well, for example, all three governor candidates, all the three main governor candidates (laughs) have all said that, you know, they support tops and they want tops to be fully funded. Um, For the treasurer today said that we need uh, a billion dollars in our rainy day fund. You know, other people are, you know, want to make renovations to the Superdome. We all want to spend money Mm -hmm. like on, different things yeah we all have our priorities so i think what we need like and we're not really hearing a story about how to reduce expenses because there's not much to cut like we are only have about 11 percent of our budget is actually discretionary and mm-hmm. tops is in there and that's our hospitals and schools basically so, so, can you talk about what uh, discretionary budget means just for the audience yeah um so we have dedicated funds that are constitutionally required to go to certain things um and then we have you know, items that are not constitutionally written in there. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then there's our operating budgets, mm-hmm. which unless those get really change much, that's a big chunk of mm-hmm. what we're spending. So it's really like if you were to do a personal budget and you say, okay, I, you know, I've made $1,000, I've spent $850, I now have $150 that I can use to upgrade my car, you mm-hmm. know, like fix my backyard. You know, it's it might be discretionary funds, but it just means that it wasn't something we had to pay for. It's things that that's where all of our improvements go, our investments go, our savings go. Anything like that is going to come out of those discretionary funds, and we've already ta- like we've are they're already spent basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we have very, very so basically we we're living paycheck to paycheck in Louisiana. <laughs> we we definitely were and we're we're behind on a lot of things. You know, like I said, we're behind on our savings. We're behind on our pension um, liabilities. Um, but the fact that we've had surpluses a few years, whether or not there was a political circus to get there, um, <laughs> which there was. There certainly was. On both sides. Um, that's still a good thing. 
you know, and that's the kind of stuff that we need to keep happening so we can continue to dig ourselves out of this hole we're in. So I still really am not getting uh, enough information to figure out why everyone is so opposed to taxes when we have the fourth lowest tax burden in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, individually, uh, apples to apples, we, we the, our individuals pay fewer taxes than people in Texas. Right. And I mean, a lot not, of our taxes are sales tax related, which, which are disproportionately hit tax is high. working class people. Yeah. So it, it's interesting that, um, yeah, so... We have a we have like one of the highest sales taxes in the country, which actually is a is a is not great for no. working class. No, or, it's horrible. Or, um, it's re- I think the word is regressionary. It's a regressive but, yeah. tax. Yeah, regressive. So basically, any anyone who spends all their money is paying all the sales tax. Correct. People who are able to save, invest, put their money in different vehicles, they pay less sales tax than, and, and, than and, everyone else. And what are some alternative kinds of taxes to sales taxes that could potentially be a potentially be less regressive, I suppose? Yeah. So there's three main like legs. One of them is sales, one of them is income tax, and one of them is property tax. Um, you know, um, we do pay pretty low property taxes. I'm not saying people need to pay... Uh, businesses can pay property taxes uh, uh, or uh, those things tax, can be graduated to higher incomes as well. Yeah. So so one of my big things is really I I want to rebalance the tax base. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something a treasurer can do. That's something the treasurer can lead on. Right. They explain, can report on it, recommend it, et cetera. You know, get feedback, come up with a good solution. Um, but I do want to rebalance the tax base because when you really start looking at um, who's paying who's paying what, I mean, we do have really low corporate income taxes we have really low corporate property taxes um and some of the severance taxes like the gas and oil taxes are not as high as other states so i would say that that would be a first the first leg to rebalance Mm -hmm. um and if we're just talking about individuals individuals paying sales tax income tax and property taxes if we wanted to reduce that sales tax number we would have to look at you know changing the income tax right um or changing property taxes. Mm-hmm. And then we also have to think about, we have state taxes and local taxes. Some of those local taxes are um, like feedback because of the state taxes. Like, for example, if our state sales tax is one at one level, our local sales taxes might change based on <laughs> you know what's going on in the localities. So um, all that, I think, needs to be looked at again. And, you know, like here's a, here's a fun fact. The oil and gas industry tells me that they bring in 25% of the revenue for the state. What that includes is a lot of stuff that is not, like, that's not actually real numbers. So what they actually give us is 5% of our tax income. Mm -hmm. They take credit for a lot more, Mm -hmm. but they only provide about $45,000 jobs Mm -hmm. in the state. So... They're, they're taking credit for a lot more mm-hmm. than they're actually providing. Um, and right. those talking points are being, you know, given to a lot of different um, representatives and state senators and things. And that's what they say. Oil and gas is providing 25% right. of the revenue for the state. Oh. Or it, you know, I also learned a lot of people in legislature are signing no new tax pledges, which oh. really, <laughs> really kind of, you know. That worked out really well for Louisiana a yeah. few years ago. Yeah. You remember. So it's it's um it's really for me it's really about people over here saying no new tax no new tax but I want to buy this stuff and then being like okay we have to yeah, change yeah it can't something. work like that you know especially if you just look at for example the gas tax hasn't been raised in three decades that 
should be and that we should have enough political will to mm-hmm. change that and that tax goes on to oil and gas companies so no that's a, that's i mean it is a consumer tax oh okay so okay. Um, but we do have the lowest gas tax in the country mm-hmm. um and we we won't change it so like i said we're like the fourth like lowest taxes of, of any right, state right, 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 right. country so like when you talk about raising the gas tax people on the right say we don't want to do that because we said no new taxes. Right. But we, if we haven't raised it in three decades, it means that we haven't it's even kept, pla- we haven't even kept yeah. pla- pace with inflation, mm-hmm. which means that what suffers? Our infrastructure, our right. roads, you know, all these different projects. We're that like, means you're taxing your own budget. We're $15 billion dollars behind in infrastructure mm-hmm. projects. Like, right. if we can't get the political will to at least keep that up with inflation... I really just don't know what we're talking about anymore. Right. Well, I'm wondering if you can speak about specifically with the oil and gas companies because I, I understand the argument that if you tax industry, industry will go somewhere else. And I think you know, the movie industry would be an example of that. But the <laughs> the gas companies can't go other places. They're just it's a finite resource that's located in Louisiana, and so I'm always wondering what how does that argument get so much play when we could tax them you know 50 percent and they still would have to stay here because that's where the gas is or that's where you know the you know the oil is essentially yeah so another, again we always compare ourselves with texas texas produces more oil and natural gas than than we do so we say oh we we don't want to lose them to texas but mm-hmm. um we also have a situation where we're it's it's kind of a similar situation in which people think that giving these tax breaks brings us jobs and creates this ec- economy that's going to work for us, and then we actually don't do research to figure out if that happens. We don't actually hold them accountable to those you jobs. You just take it as a truism at face so, value. So it's been taken as a truism for a really long time, and I think that that, that in particular needs to end. Um, but as far as them leaving, what I learned, so I went to an oil and gas, um, you know, conference which is where i got to hear jeff landry speak um, <laughs> of course is that uh a lot of what happened with the industry here in louisiana was based on federal policies and it really wasn't a statewide thing i actually asked jeff landry what are the policies making these oil and gas companies leave louisiana i asked him that in front of 300 oil and gas mm-hmm. executives and he said he did not say taxes he said it was lawsuits tort reform and then he said that education or infrastructure is not as strong as texas so that really puts us at a disadvantage really so and, and, just don't want to so live he here. did not he did not say any actual tax policy yeah and it's still something i need to do more research on mm-hmm. because i can't it's a truism it's something that people right. feel, and it's something it's actually something that oil and gas companies tell louisiana a lot oh yeah they, they dictate they, yeah. yeah like they're, they're very strong um and they they have a lot of power they contribute um, to campaigns all the time um that is part of their power yeah that's, um, that's how they become power and if you say well we're gonna raise taxes on you after you've given us money you know oh i guess what you're not getting any more for the next race or whatever yeah so i'm truly really trying to figure out you know and still learning you know really what that really what's going on there in the middle mm-hmm. ground if people really aren't thinking about it if they really just believe that if it really is true and i just haven't found the evidence yet mm-hmm. you know um so I, I would guess that, you know, politicians cash oil and gas checks, oil and gas companies give them a lot of good lines about how it brings jobs. It really does bring jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does provide a lot of jobs, you know, and, and in, in, in environments, in uh, municipalities, parishes, whatever, where um, those companies do come in, it does raise those localities up 
to some degree. Mm-hmm. Is, you, it, you is mean, it as so, much as the property taxes we've lost, or mm-hmm. you know, and if things leave, and you know, I don't know, but it does provide you know jobs and an, an economy boost. So mm-hmm. there's a fear of losing that. So right. I think there's fear also of not being competitive, of you know, not being a cool place for oil and gas. <laughs> Um, because the other main thing that has been brought up as a lot is the, are these lawsuits. Um, all these lawsuits that are, that are creating an unstable environment for the oil and gas What companies. What kind of lawsuits? So um, cities have sued um, like oil and gas oil companies, and gas companies for, for, for what? For like, you know, primarily like destruction, mm-hmm. not following, you know, the rules. Public that health. Supposed to follow. Yeah. So... I didn't get a chance for a follow-up question to say, what are the nature of the lawsuits? Yes, but you know, that's pretty much what it is. When your whole government is so business-friendly that it won't actually enforce the laws that people are supposed to, you know, these companies are supposed to follow, what else do you have to fall back on? I mean, look at the king of lawsuits, Donald Trump. That is mm-hmm. a tool he uses all the time. Right. But the second a city wants to use it against oil and gas companies, then it's not cool. Not fair. I mean, they so, sponsored they sponsored a thing at the Audubon Aquarium. Shell did. No harm, no foul now. Oh, they're I always mean, at Jazz Fest, too. They, they, a beautiful Gulf of Mexico. Beautiful. I, it actually is really beautiful, but lovely. <laughs> um, fish tank. Giant, giant tank. But yeah, sponsored by Shell. So You can yeah. also see all the ads that they put on, um, on like, you know, daytime or, or morning television talking about how they're leading the cutting edge of gl- green energy or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, realistically, they're not the enemy. They're in Louisiana. They're going to be in Louisiana for the, a period of time. It's really about who actually protects the people. Um, it would be the politicians. You know, our government is supposed to be protecting the people. They're not negotiating our behalf. They're- they are not looking out for the people's mm-hmm. best interests. They are making sure that more oil and gas companies feel stable, safe, secure, that they right. have what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I understand so what you're one saying. of the things I noticed <laughs> on your, um, your campaign website, one of your platforms, was modernization. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you say multiple times in the past half hour or so that you're still looking for information. You're still trying to find information. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's very... It's a lot of stuff that's really buried. Now, is that when you say modernization, are, is your end goal to, to have this information accessible to anybody who wants to look at it? Or are we, are we talking something different for modernization? Yeah. So there's really two parts. Um, for one, when I was doing this research, it was insanely difficult to find the different parts of the puzzle. And they're all over the place. There's websites that time out and don't work, you know. Um, I was like, I've had it, problems with that with the curriculum for the part of the uh, Department of Education website. Yeah, I'm a it, teacher. it shouldn't it shouldn't be that bad. And you know, I started looking at other um, states to see, you know, how hard is it to find this information in other states. Um, after seeing Mississippi's website, I feel like we're probably intentionally obscuring the data. Mm. You know, because the Mississippi website at least has links. You know, it has some graphs that will give you an overview, but I don't know if you've looked at our website much, but I haven't. Actually. It's pretty much just got the current treasurer on bold and the unclaimed property, you know, come get your check. Um, and, you know, I know that they're working on it, but uh, you should be able to go there and say, like, you know, what is our budget? Yeah. The, the best, so, and then the, the, the best graphs and things I've been able to find have been from reporters, you know, who are actually having to go through and dig all through this. But, so as of right now, I can think of six different websites I have to go to to get an answer to any of these questions just about what we're spending our money on. Which is, sounds like a not wonderful use of time. 
it should be all just in one section. It's always, you know, it's always so sad. And it's like, well, look at Mississippi. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Well, woman, Mississippi has a woman treasurer. I'm not going to say that's why. Snaps, snaps <laughs> but, but, you know, as far as role models, you know, I look at her and uh, she's more neutral, I would say, you know. But and, and then also you said about um, there were two parts of modernization and, trans- and transparency. The other thing is um, I'm sure internally we're wasting a ton of time and energy on just the Treasury Department. So state legislators don't run a department. Um, the state treasurer has a staff and a, a department to run. And, like, for example, we have 30 people in our unclaimed property division and Mississippi has six. Mm-hmm. So can technology enable that to happen? Process more quickly Most and efficiently, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's also not – I can't just look in there and be mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going on? But my background is in process improvement, mm-hmm. um, especially for financial information systems. Mm-hmm. And I would have a field day. You know? <laughs> I would have – so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Let's just pause really quickly for station identification. You're listening to uh, WHIVLP New Orleans, 102.3, your only uh, radio station for human rights and social justice. Uh, the show is NOLA Matters. Uh, NOLA Matters, uh, healthcare is a human right. Um, our guest today is Teresa Kenny. Uh, she is running for the statewide office of treasurer in Louisiana. Um, I wanted to sort of steer the conversation, stay on taxes, but um, the industrial tax exemption program. I'm a teacher, and um, I was very aware of the situation that happened last October when um, the the teacher unions all organized together to uh, fight against the – they they nearly did a day-long walkout, but they ended up getting a deal in the front end. um, But – um, and the central sort of point of conflict here was this exemption program uh, in Louisiana that, um, in, a, in a real sense, denies our public services of millions of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions mm-hmm. of dollars. Um, so, I guess, could you talk a little bit about how you've seen the industrial tax exemption program um, play out in your experience, and sort of what are some potential reforms that you can see towards that program itself? Yeah, so ITEP um, mm-hmm. is run by a board uh, mm-hmm. the, from the Louisiana Economic Development Corporation, yeah, right. whatever it's called. Um, but th- their specific goal is to encourage businesses to come to Louisiana. Correct. And they had very little oversight um, for years, for 20, 30 years. Um, and some people would say that they rubber-stamped a lot of deals um, and didn't ask for concessions didn't negotiate actually or any public input of any kind or any public input and no um no veto or say from the municipalities who are actually going to lose out on tax revenue right especially schools and things like that but what happened is john bell edwards used an executive order Mm -hmm. to make some changes to that and now this is when he became governor in 20 what what do you it was four years ago it's 2000 2015 yeah, so I think I think um, his changes went through um, a year or two ago, um, but it's specifically to re- require that the local governments have veto power, right? Um, and also to say instead of a hundred percent exemption, it's going to be an eighty percent exemption, right? And those are those are huge wins for um, local governments who were basically having tax dollars just taken from them. Um, without any say. And, and, and can I just freeze here and, ruminate and, and sort of linger on this just for a second? It was a state-level program that denied local governments and school boards of their, of their funding. So they were doing local exemptions or exemptions of local taxes at the state level for 
for um, for localities. Yeah, and then that locality gets the plant or the refinery, and then right. they have to su- you know supply the schools to how you know, the right. housing, the infrastructure. It's the just roads. A completely like squeezing a lemon, and that, and that that program goes back like a hundred years or yeah. something. It was wild. Yeah. So um, some changes were made. Um, again, oil and gas. And the other industries who were using the ITEP exemptions were not happy that there was any local input because what they say is, oh, now I have to go, instead of just talking to this rubber stamp board who mm-hmm. doesn't go to those municipalities at all, now I have to actually go talk to the local school board and the local sheriff's department and get buy-in from all these different things. So it makes it a lot harder for them to get these exemptions. Mm-hmm. So that's their complaint, you know. But the positive side is that the places where these, you know, go actually mm-hmm. get benefit from it so (laughs) you know right other than the supposed jobs that there is no accountability for making them these companies produce yeah so yeah i am i am proud of john bell edwards Mm -hmm. you know and i think that he did the best he you know every time i see him come up with something even this like budget Mm -hmm. issue you know the politics he played there it's you know he's coming up with practical solutions that solve these you know that take us in the right direction on these like mm-hmm. really big issues. So I'm happy about this. Is mm-hmm. there, is there more to go? So, but the football has been moved. Possibly the football has been moved and local, um, local municipalities. I keep saying that word because it could be cities or parish, yeah, so you know, parish, parish or, yeah. or locals. Yeah. Local governments, but yeah, yeah par- parish governments were also cut out. It's, and it's funny because that's also one of the talking points, you know, a Republican talking point would be like, you know, we want to give local control. But you, you totally only want to give local control mm-hmm. when it benefits you. So, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> in this case, local control, there's, they don't like it. So Yeah, there's some ideology taking place there, I think. Um, so I guess we can, before we wrap up, uh, you can once again uh, give us uh, where we can find more information about your campaign. Uh, and also give us your little elevator pitch on the way out. Okay. Um, yeah. So my name's Teresa. I'm running for state treasurer. I'm running no party because I believe that our, our, um, treasury should run its business like a bank should be neutral. Um, I'm also running on a platform of financial equality because I believe that all the voices of all the citizens need to be heard equally. Uh, businesses don't actually have a vote. I don't know if we remember that, but they don't. <laughs> it really is just about the people. I heard corporations were people I somewhere. heard that, too. You know, I've heard that, but they still can't vote. So, Do they you know, Or they don't. And if they were going to vote, they would get one. Yeah. They would get one vote. Yeah. Um, and then, lastly, I just want to make, I just want to bring our, tre- our treasury up to uh, modern standards. Fix it inside. I know it's. I know it's broken in there. I just got this feeling. Um, <laughs> and then, just in terms of no, like most people in the state don't know what the treasurer does. You mm-hmm. know, they don't know what our budget is. They don't know it's how. To, they don't know how to find information mm-hmm. about what we're spending, and it's not easy. And I think that that's a huge. I think that's a big issue. You know, as a financial professional, how long it took me to even figure out the most basic answers right. about. Um, and when that's what you do state. for a living, yeah, that's exactly. what I do for a living. And you know, realistically, the reason I want to be treasurer is because this would be a really big project. Right, it would be a great cleanup thing to do. And I, I really, really love listening to everybody. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I, I'm doing no party politics because I want to hear all the good ideas that everyone has and bring them together, and find the best possible middle ground. Mm-hmm. So. 
Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, you can't become treasurer and just say, I'm going to change all this. I'm, you know. You have to develop a program in which you can do those sorts of things. You need to at least be able to assess the situation from from some perspective of, 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 of in some, 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 I guess, um, my, my words are failing me a bit, but uh, yeah, you must have some kind of an inside understanding. Yeah, you need, you need buy-in from everybody mm-hmm. from the whole state. You yeah. know? And you can't just sit in New Orleans and say, oh, we should do this because, yeah. you know, it doesn't benefit New Orleans either. So it really is about everyone bringing their power to Baton Rouge, coming together, finding the best solution for everybody, and really sidelining those voices that aren't factual and aren't based on reality and where we're at mm-hmm. and where we are in relationship to the rest of the country. So. Yeah. So how do you do that? That's a tough question. I guess maybe maybe I'm not asking for a solution, but I guess <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it's more of like something to, to, no. to think about. You know, how do you how do you cut through the BS? You know. Yeah. So well, first of all. Uh, it's Teresa for treasurer.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter if you, if you want to mm-hmm. follow me. Um, but how? Um, first of all, talking to people and really taking the baggage mm-hmm. out of the D or the R, I think, yeah. is, a, is a big thing. And um, an education and then, program that sort of, demyst- like, I said, like I said before, demystifies these sorts of things could not be a bad thing. <laughs> even for legislators. Right. I mean, realistically, it's, for me, the target would be legislators. We have 100 plus in the state. You know, um, if we start having conversations with those people about this, if I were to have those conversations with those people over six years, you Mm -hmm. know, I already have a track record of talking to people who didn't really think the same way as I did. And we were, you know, I've been able to educate them, find a middle ground to get us all to the same place. Mm -hmm. That's already my background. And that would be like, again, something I would love to do is sit down. And I've already done it on this campaign, talk to a few different um, legislators, you know, prospective legislators about their perspective and how they see things. And I've already been able to uncover a few not truths that mm-hmm. had felt like truths that we were able to chip away at. So I feel like that's that's kind of my goal. Right. And So you're one of um, a, quite a few, actually, kind of younger people who are true experts in their fields who are deciding to, to make this, you know, huge commitment to running for office. And I'm wondering, is this something that you had thought about before? Is this, mm-hmm. is there something specific about this election cycle that you felt was, there was an opportunity for you? Um, cause I, I'm like, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, people seem to know what they're talking about, which I, <laughs> I don't necessarily feel like has been the case in the <laughs> past. Um, so yeah, I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts are and why this was the year. So I've looked at more of the statewide, ra- well, the legislators, even here, there's very competitive races, but at the statewide level, because there's such a barrier to entry, there there are only two other people running for state treasurer, and that's not very many people. You know, that's not very very many voices or, or very much of a choice. So, for me, when I figured out that there were only two competitors, I knew that it was something I wanted to do, just because I felt like it would be a good opportunity to get my voice out there and to be heard. But um, realistically, you know, I want to do this again in four years, assuming I, you know, we'll see what happens October 12th. Yeah. But, Why would you have to do it again um, in four years if you win? Uh, you're right. No, you, I will have to do it again <laughs> well, yeah, in four years true. if I win. So yeah. regardless. Um, um, but it, it is a, a really, really intense time commitment. Um, but the, uh, the other thing that really motivated me is just seeing how strong these incumbents get. And, how you know, Jeff Landry has $1.7 million in the bank. You know, Mike Strain has $700,000 in the bank. Those people are very hard to topple. So 
Like, oh. how can you start to chip away at that mm. and like really make that achievable? Is uh, for Margie and myself just something that's interesting we're trying to work on mm -hmm. and come up with a plan and we're both young and that's the thing that as mm -hmm. i think we i'm coming up with a 20 30 year plan and i definitely see myself doing politics long time long term um and kind of throwing myself into this was just like all right you're out there you're gonna learn you know and hopefully the good thing hopefully you can do some good and show the other the main candidate the incumbent that people are watching him, people have seen what he's doing, and people have feedback for him. So that's what I'm trying to get. Super last thing, and we do have to get out of here to make some space for um, the next show. But um, you mentioned Margie Green, and uh, you and she have an event this week. Um, so could you talk a little bit about that, and we can be out of here. Yeah. Um, so there's only a few women running for statewide elected office, and Margie is Margie is here in New Orleans too. So we we have a lot of common friends, and you know we both started running. We reached out to each other and just had a lot in common. Um, but yeah, this Thursday at Second Line Brewing, we're going to get together and talk about our platforms and uh, we're inviting everyone who wants to hear more about what's going on in the treasury and the um, department of agriculture to come and hear what we have to say because like you said we do have a lot of information yeah, and we do know what's going on women supporting women you love to see it <laughs> yeah i love to see it um so thank you so much for joining us Teresa kenny uh she once again is running for uh the statewide treasurer of louisiana on October 12th, early voting starts, I think, the 28th. It's the day after my birthday. Oh, um, so it's on Saturday. Yeah, this Five Saturday. Away, my birthday's on death. Friday, folks. Send me your presents. <laughs> um, you can also check out our show, uh, Good Morning Comrade, tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a good one already in the can, ready to go uh, for tomorrow. Uh, and you can also get more information uh, from our show at goodmorningcomrade.com. And just Thank make sure you vote, y'all. It doesn't matter who you vote. We want... It matters who you vote for, but just vote. No one votes in local elections. No one votes in the statewide. Just vote. Please go out there and do it. Your vote is your voice. It's really important. <laughs> it's more important than you think, honestly. It, yeah. Like seeing it out from it's the inside now, in it's toolbox. like, oh, no, there's a lot of differences between these candidates. Like I know it's a responsibility and it's, a, it's kind of a lift to get all that information and to vote right, but it's definitely worth it. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you once, uh, once again, Teresa. Thank you all for listening. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.